I didn't have tools for accountability for people. And so if you don't have tools for accountability and you want to know what people are doing, the only way to find out is to ask them. And so what our team thought, which is funny because our leadership was coach was like, oh, they have never seen micromanagement because I've witnessed you are not micromanaging them. However, I have a great tool for you for accountability so that they don't perceive. It's all about perceptions Mm -hmm. and perceptions are people's realities. Join us in Mixing Business with Pleasure, a podcast about loving your work and working with your love. Your hosts, Mike and Gabby, are entrepreneurs who have found their passion in both their personal and professional relationship. The pair who swore never to work with each other are now working happily together side by side in love, life, and business. Tune in each week as we feature co-founders who are also lovers and are proving that business and pleasure really do mix well together. Welcome back, and thanks for tuning in to another great episode of Mixing Business with Pleasure. If this is your first time listening, you may be wondering, why are these two people interviewing husband and wife entrepreneurs? Well, Gabby and I are husband and wife entrepreneurs, and we've been running Proofpoint Marketing, a B2B digital marketing agency, for over three years now. So for a quick shameless plug, let us tell you a little bit about what we do. We specialize in driving profitable revenue for technology and manufacturing companies by diving deep into customer insights. We really strive to understand the customer, We build out the ideal customer profile and personas. And using that, we create highly targeted demand generation and performance marketing campaigns. Here are a few of the main problems we help our clients solve. If you're struggling to understand what content and messaging resonates with your prospects. If you have invested in content marketing and are struggling to bring in enough qualified pipeline. If you have been heavily dependent on paid media for lead generation and your customer acquisition costs keep going up and up and up. And if you've been investing in a variety of marketing channels and technologies, but are still struggling to understand which efforts are driving revenue. If any of those sound all too familiar, let's talk. We're offering a free consultation. This isn't just a sales call, and it isn't us simply giving you a canned automated audit report. We are going to do our due diligence prior to the call. The plan is to talk about real marketing issues your organization is facing and discuss potential solutions. Head on over to proofpoint.marketing and get in touch. We look forward to hearing from you. Now let's get back to this amazing episode. Hi, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Mixing Business with Pleasure. We have today a lovely couple that we're very excited to introduce you to. We have Nancy Nelson Flom and her husband, Eric Flom, of Intersource here in Minneapolis. You guys are a design and flooring company, and and you provide uh, direct to professionals, right? Not direct to consumers, but direct to design and and interior design folks and contractors, et cetera. Is that correct? That's correct. Mm -hmm. Okay. And the company was founded in 1996 by the two of you. Mm-hmm. And you have a very interesting, uh, you kind of hinted at a very interesting story of how you met. So one of, the th- one of the questions that we always ask up front is, what came first, business or love? Well, all business. <laughs> we were 14. No, we, I mean, it was purely love and we had met right after junior high school, I believe, mm-hmm. started dating. And, and so, Nancy, your father used to own a flooring business, correct? Is it Was it Intersource or was it a different mm-hmm. company? Yeah, it was called Redmond's Linoleum and Carpet Company in Anoka, Minnesota. Okay. Residential with a little bit of commercial mixed in. 
And Eric, you started working there, is that correct? I did. After uh, high school, he offered me a summer job, essentially working the warehouse and all the aspects of that end of the business, driving truck, whatever it took to uh, get things done. And so I did that that summer. And then uh, during breaks and whatnot, I would you know pick up hours. And I did that, I think, for I think three summers until uh, towards the end of my college career. And then I took an internship and went on into the design world. So. And during this time, were you guys together, like as dating, is that correct? Yes. Throughout mm -hmm. this time. Okay. And so Nancy, you also worked for your dad's company as well, right? I did. So I got interested in design actually, because my dad had a designer on staff. So when I was a little kid, I uh, would get all the discontinued samples brought home and I would play and so forth. So that inspired me. And I was always moving my room around, you know, always rearranging things. So I got interested in interior design. I went through college and um, then went into commercial design. I really had hopes of, and I did work on country clubs and restaurants and some retail spaces. So that was very fun. And then after that, just had a realization that I wouldn't mind getting involved in my father's company. And so I did go work for him for about three and a half years. I think that's all right. And uh, once I learned the technical side that I didn't understand when I was on the design side, I thought, huh kind of light bulb went off and thought maybe we should do this commercial and residential combine it 50 50 with an emphasis on servicing interior designers and contractors and builders because we had construction knowledge and interior design knowledge and not actually perform any design services because we don't want to compete with our market so that's what we're doing excellent excellent were you competing with your father's company at some point or was it kind of uh together symbiotically? Yeah. Not so much. He had a different model in that he was open to the general public and he was in Anoka. So we're in International Market Square in Minneapolis. And so that's pretty far apart. I don't think we ever competed on yeah. anything, did we? I don't think so. No, we were focused more on the design end of the business and his work was primarily a builder business, mm -hmm. production business. So. Very cool. One other question that we like to ask our couples up front is, since work and love are both four-letter words, we'd like to ask you what each, what your four, favorite four-letter word is. Well, of course, Eric is my favorite four-letter, <laughs> but I think team, I think a big emphasis on team is really important. Wonderful. Mine would be grit, because that is... Uh key to running, operating, uh, growing a small business. It, it takes a lot of grit. I love it. Love those two words. One of the things that I really loved reading, and I would love you guys to share a little bit more about that, is you said you have been dating for 39 years and married for 30 years. So Tell us, what do you mean you're dating for 39 years? Yeah, so, and actually we've been married, we'll be 32 on August 13th. 32, okay, excellent. 32. But we dated seven years prior, so I mean, you really got to focus on keeping, you know, exciting things, dating. I don't know, in my mind, I just like to think, I think you came up with this, didn't you? Okay, credit for that. <laughs> um, yeah, but I mean, it's... You, you got to continue to date. It's kind of like, you know, the courting of a relationship. It's not the, the aim isn't to get to marriage and then that's over. It's, you know, it's all the way through. Keep dating. Yeah. 
One thing we do annually, which I'd recommend, I wish we would have started this on our first anniversary, but when we got to year 10 and our kids at that time were like one in three, we decided, I think I decided, oh yes, I was pregnant. <laughs> oh yeah, that's probably what really did it. The hormones, you know, I thought, you know, I think we should, I'd like to surprise them for our anniversary, 10 year, that's a big one, you know, it's a really big monumental year. So I um, surprised him with a long weekend trip and I was pregnant at the time. And we went back to where we had our honeymoon, which was Banff area in Canada. This time we didn't borrow my dad's um, suburban and drive and, and camp. We actually uh, stayed in some nicer places. Although we flew into Saskatoon on some friends of mine, she gave me miles and they were like, why are you here? And we're renting a car and driving across Canada to get into Banff area for our 10 year anniversary. And it was all hunter and fishermen. And they were like, what are you doing here? <laughs> it was very funny. But that was the first of our tradition now, which we go every, we take a long weekend, either one or two days off of work. And usually they're more local than that, but you know, something in nature usually and biking and hiking and just time with the two of us and our kids do not come with us. So tell us a little bit about some of the dating, you know, you know, courting and courtship and dating. And Eric, you said, you know, hey, marriage is not the end. We have to continue dating each other, um, especially now during this time period where it's kind of hard to, to leave the house and go out on a nice dinner or go to the movies. So what are some of the dating rituals or just, just courtship things that, that you guys do together to, to the, apart from work? that really focus on your relationship, focus on your connection back to one another and, and part of that courtship that you were speaking of. Early on, the kids are probably five and three, somewhere in that range. We bought a spa for the backyard, a hot tub. And that became a great way to date because get the kids in bed, take the monitor and go, you know, hang out in the tub and we could catch up and be relaxed, you know, have a glass of wine or a beer or whatever. And, uh, you know, so that really, you know, the, the key is to get time together without distractions. And uh, that was, you know, relatively simple way to do it, even though, you know, like, we can't get away now necessarily. We couldn't then either because we had kids. And <laughs> so then we have kids here during COVID. So yeah, they're, they're both bad. Uh -huh. But the other night we were out on the back patio. It was kind of funny. We were, we have some um, chaise lounges back there that we haven't sat in like hardly ever. And so we were sitting back there in the dark and we were kind of hiding. I'm like, I wonder if the dog or the kids are going to notice first that we're missing. And it was really dark out and the kids went in for their midnight snack, I think. And the dog actually found us before the, the kids didn't even, that was like they knew we were missing. <laughs> they're kids anymore. They're 21 and 24. So both your daughters are home now. Yeah. So they tell us a little bit about being home with two adult children and running a business. Are you guys working from home currently? Are you working at your office? A little bit of both. Eric really hasn't stopped going in every day for the most part. And then I go in, I'm probably 50% of the time I'm there and 50% of home. I'm tr we're trying to keep the numbers down. There's 10 of us on our team. So we're trying to keep people out of the office as much as we can, but it's, it's hard. We've got to operate. We've got to be there to service our clients. So we want everyone safe and that's been very important. That's probably been the biggest stress through this whole thing is making sure first off our team and then secondly, our clients obviously are safe. Our kids normally aren't here. Our kids normally are, one goes to school in California and the other one uh, lives normally Northeast Minneapolis 
and works for Carmichael Lynch as a strategist. So, so t- tell us tell us a little bit more about the, the business itself. And Nancy, you mentioned team as your favorite word. Tell us how the, the the business has been built up to where it is now. Like, how when did you decide to bring on a team, and were there any pivotal hires that you guys made that helped that the business expand and grow? Yeah, I would say uh, three and a half, maybe four and a half years ago, we saw a seminar by a person and, you know, we have the same number of people. You know, we always usually hover between 10 and 12. We were up to 13, maybe once. Right now we're 10 people. And I always thought, you know, just there's something missing, camaraderie, fun. How can we get this? And really we had a group of people and we brought in this leadership consultant that we started working with to create the team. And a few people faded off because they weren't going to, you know, behold this team mentality, which was fine. And then we kept bringing more people on that were, do you want to talk a little bit more about that? Yeah. I mean, it was, it was really just around year 20 and we're like, let's take a look and see, we can always be better, you know, no matter what we're doing in any aspect. We are struggling finding the culture we wanted that, um, and that everyone wanted to buy into and be a part of. So we looked for ways to do that. And we did find this consultant and he, you know, he, uh, he spoke to it very well for both of us, I think. So we've actually kept in touch with him and occasionally attend seminars or webinars and things to, you know, just learn what's new, brush up on old skills, whatnot. So what were some of the things that really spoke to you? What is it about how he was presenting it that, made you want to work with him and implement things that he was recommending. Nancy was pushing me for a couple of years upon this realm of our, our work. And I always felt like we know what we got to do, you know, we can figure this out. That's kind of, I mean, we both had that attitude, but I'm getting more stubborn, I guess, and think I uh, can, can dial it in. But when we saw this person, his name's Eric Thurwanger, and he just, the way he delivered the concepts, struck with, you know, I, I got it. <laughs> it struck a chord. And uh, essentially it was, he, at first he did an assessment. He talked to us and then he talked to everyone that was there individually and figured out, okay, what is the, you know, what are the challenges? What are we doing? Well, let's, you know, enhance those and let's work on the challenges. And so that's really where it came from. And, and it was really about, you know, formalizing what we were doing. I mean, we never had an org chart and we, we reworked our mission statement. We developed the vision statement, yes. job descriptions, you know, formal job descriptions. Um, performance reports, things so that yeah. I wouldn't appear micromanaging. Why ask the person what they're doing when if you just have a tool, right. that's perfect. Yeah. They're very is, simple things. This is a, a really good point that I wanna I wanna emphasize because clearly both of you have um, a tremendous knowledge and and personal background in design interior design working with with professionals in in the space contractors interior designers etc um you have a lot of experience working in flooring for a long time but then i i love that you found an opportunity to say you know what we can be we can do better we can be better we have a, we have a team how do we make this company 
you know, how, how do we create the environment that we want to have for our team? And so I love that you guys found a resource that you trust that you that that and that really spoke about some of the fundamental things that that sometimes oftentimes can get glossed over in a business because, you know, you've got a very, you've got a very particular niche of the market that you're serving. You have a very, you know, narrow focus in the sense that it's all flooring. You don't do any, you know, you're not doing drapery or window dressings, it's flooring. And so you really dialed into your craft and, and that industry. But then you took an opportunity to say, wait a minute, <laughs> we have other things to work on inside this company. So that's fantastic. I'd, I'd love to learn a little bit more about the culture that has blossomed as a result of really focusing on these kind of like Eric, like you said, sort of these fundamental basic things. Once you implemented them, what was the, what was the, you know, reaction internally with your team? Nancy, you mentioned that a few people were no longer, you know, no, sort of grew out of the company because they were just no longer part of the vision that you had. But then you, you brought on, I assume you brought on some more folks, you're at 10 people. So what has been, since doing this, what has been the reaction internally? And also tell us a little bit about the culture that you have internally with your folks at this time. I would say the biggest improvement is the lack of drama. I don't have time to spend with drama. I just don't. It's really hard to run a business. People don't realize how many hats you wear. I mean, financial, marketing, product procurement, production, installation. I mean, every time I'm turning around, I'm writing thank you notes. I'm, I'm just like a ping pong ball, right? So there's many things to deal with and drama is uh, toxic and it's not healthy for anyone. So open door, I mean, communication, I think is so much better. People will come to me, they'll share ideas with me. Uh, I always wanted people's ideas and they wouldn't share them. So it's just so much healthier that way. We can only be better if we put all 10 of our heads together. Two of us aren't going to be able to figure out the best solution for everything. So that's been fabulous. We started a few people, sent them through different types of training. And I think everyone in our country, our country, <laughs> I wish it was everyone in the country, <laughs> in our company, um, received uh, some sort of leadership training through this consultant in his business to get us all, you know, essentially establish the same language and concepts. So when we talk about it, they know where it's coming from. And then in like, and we continue to develop ourselves. It's not, it's not like it, you can read a book and learn it and you're done. It's no, that's just the start. And you always have to continually look back at yourself and say, how could I have done that differently? Did I handle that properly? You know, I think so often as entrepreneurs, you know, Nancy, you touched on this as business owners, as entrepreneurs, we are wearing a million different hats, you know, and, and one, one of the things that actually Mike and I are going to do, you know, we, we've done this for our team, but we didn't do this for ourselves. We did not draft job descriptions for ourselves. Mm -hmm. And Partially because we just didn't do it. We kind of forgot. Very like, informally well, drew the lines, but we didn't actually. We, yeah, I mean, I, I know that what. he's taking care of, you know, he's he's playing the role of, you know, CFO and CEO and and I'm more ops and marketing and client services. So we kind of know the big the big buckets that we're playing in and the big buckets that each other are not playing in. But we really didn't take the time to, to focus on. Uh, job descriptions for the two of us, and that is our that is our project 
for this summer. But what I wanted to underscore was that so often as entrepreneurs, Eric, based on uh, uh, kind of dovetailing on what you were saying is that we're, we're so focused on the craft itself, you know, the business itself. What are we, what is the product that we're giving to our end users? What is the service that we're providing to our clients that, you know, we, we do need to take time to continuously focus on our development as leaders and developing the leaders within our company. Because to your point, Nancy, we are wearing so many hats and we simply can't wear all of the hats that is needed to run a company. And so it's so important to, to grow your team and to, and to acknowledge that you have folks on your team that can take on leadership or you know, more senior positions and build them up and give them those tools to do that. So I think that that's a really valuable point that you guys are illustrating here through your own experiences and maybe even through some some mistakes that were made along the way some you know moments of drama that happened along the way and then you know you have this moment where you're like wait a minute we need to step back we need to get somebody else in here a third party with a different perspective to give us that value, to give us that perspective. And I think that that's a really valuable lesson that I'd like to underscore for our listeners out there that, that are a husband and wife team and that, that can understand that sometimes you have to get outside of yourself to find the answer, to find the, the resource that you need uh, for the team and for the company. Absolutely. Even with the two owners, husband and wife, we didn't have job descriptions initially. And we both thought we were awesome at everything. (laughs) I mean, we both were competitive with each other too. So, I mean, you know, that didn't work, but it took a year and then we figured out, okay, you know, definitely I have certain talents that, and, and weaknesses and Eric's, Eric's strengths are my weaknesses. So this is a good thing, but if it's not that way, then you need to really look at your team and say, okay, how else are we going to fill in those things? We do have right now, luckily, we brought back a year ago. He was with us for several years as our general manager. We brought him back as our CFO. And he is that checks and balances, money, nuts and bolts person, which is really good. But also just on any sort of decision, as soon as you can hire a person that it can be a midi, I did not saying it right, but like a middle perspective, because it's a, it's a balance between us. Mm-hmm. And, uh, much more enjoyable. So as fast as you can get to that point, the better. That's. Um, I was gonna, you know, one point about being married in a business. You know, it, it's got its pros and cons, of course. But in those early years, when you're trying to figure out where your strengths lie and the things you don't want to do, at least with someone you, you have that established trust and respect level, and you can go to them and say, "Okay, we got to figure this out." And I think we were able to more quickly, you know, say, "Boom, okay." This is what you're strong at. This is what I'm strong at. This is what you're doing. This is what I'm doing, and, and uh, separate it, and define the roles, and 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 then respect them, and try not to cross over without an invitation. Or you know, if there's if you have a strong opinion, say, hey, this is you know, at least stay in your lane is kind of how I think of it, and uh, that that helps things run far more smoothly than uh, running every which way. And both, you know, we found we were doing the same things on the same projects at times. It's like this is not efficient. We need to separate and and uh, focus where we're, where our talents best can have the effect we want them to. We'll come up with the same solution or end result, but we both have a different path to get there. So that's sometimes interesting too. But just realizing that, coming to the realization of that was like light bulb and made things just work more smoothly. You just have to cut your ego, get your ego out of things and 
really look at, okay, this is, we're together for a reason. What a godsend. And these are the things that we need to develop. And these are the things that we need to work on. And um, hopefully in the end, everyone's better for it. Yeah. Nancy, you mentioned that there, you know, you guys thought that you were great at everything at one point. And then Eric, you said that as part of when you brought in the consultant, one of the things that he did was a full assessment of you guys and the team. Was there anything during that process that was a surprise to you? Like, were there any sort of blind spots that you didn't realize you had once that, that process happened? He actually asked us that pretty much that question, you know, what do you think they're going to say? And we had it right on, we knew. So that, you know, so what were some of those things? Embarrassing. We, were, we were allowing these things to happen, but it's because we didn't have the tools to, to sort it out properly. And you know, one thing I've always said, you know, I've said, and I, I think Nancy would think the same, but I'm, you know, I'm in this business because of my passion for interior design and floor covering and, and that part of it. I'm not the businessman, you know, I'm, so I don't, I don't bring that skill set to the business. I've learned a lot about it, of course. I mean, we have a running joke every, you know, expensive error, error we make. We say, well, that's, you know, a quarter at Harvard. So we just, <laughs> we just, you know, we just learned something and it was expensive, but you know, we're not going to forget. And so that's a, that's a big part of it. You mentioned that you were kind of spot on with what you thought your team was going to say, what were some of those things? Like, what were some of those things that you were doing wrong back then? Because I think that's, it's, a, it's important to highlight what not to do as much it is, as it is to highlight what to do. Yeah, for me, it was, I didn't have tools for accountability for people. And so if you don't have tools for accountability and you want to know what people are doing, the only way to find out is to ask them. And so what our team thought, which is funny because our leadership was coach was like, oh, they have never seen micromanagement because I've witnessed you are not micromanaging them. However, I have a great tool for you for accountability so that they don't perceive. It's all about perceptions mm -hmm. and perceptions are rea people's realities. That was a big premise of this whole leadership coaching that we received. Right. Perceptions are the realities. And so we really needed to dig, dig into that. So yeah, I have accountability tools. So mine was micromanager. Mine boiled down to basically getting systems more clearly, you know, systems in place and clearly defined on how we operate. So it's easy for someone to follow the path. And if they hit a bump in the road, they know who to speak to or how to address it. We're all adults. We're professionals. We know what we're doing. Let's just get our work done and be great at it. But it was, you can't have 10 different processes doing the same thing. It just doesn't make sense. And that was part of the problem. The roles are very clearly defined. I'm more sales, sales manager, marketing, project curation, rep, manufacturer, negotiation, and overall like relationship person. And you're everything else. No, I, I basically oversee the production side of the business, installation and troubleshooting, technical side. So Nancy mentioned accountability. Like that, that's something that probably most business owners at some point struggle with in creating a system for that? What, like, is it a framework that you guys use? Is it an actual platform or tool? What, what, what yeah. is it? It's a, it's a tool. It's just called our weekly performance report. We had to decide what actions they could take that would affect the bottom line the greatest. And we assigned certain points to them. We have an average number of points we try to get to a week and Monday through Friday. And along the left side is the actions. 
whether it's outreach, doing written gratitude cards, attending networking events, which now have become virtual events. Did they have live meetings or virtual meetings? And in the end, if we're doing these things, ultimately we should be improving our client relationships and servicing people really well. Cause we have this, we always want to do the unexpected. That's what I want to be known for. I also want to be known for doing great community outreach projects as well. So yeah, I think that that's, that's our, my main accountability tool. And fostering the environment where essentially was don't make Nancy come ask you, you know, push information up to her rather than having her sitting there wondering what's going on with this project. I never heard about it. Well, she's going to email, call, get up and walk down and see you and interrupt you. So just, you know, push the information out. So she's got it. And that, that was a, again, super simple concept that, but it takes us making sure people are confident in doing that. You know, some, some people feel like they can't approach their, their boss or the owner or whatever. And that's not the environment we've ever wanted. And, but obviously there were things we were doing that needed to be rewired to uh, allow for that open communication to happen as it should. I love that you you developed this accountability system for your team. And I, and I love even more that one of the checkboxes that you have is sending personalized notes. So we, with our company Proofpoint, when we relaunched our brand earlier this year, I created little a series of like, I think eight different types of note cards with different messages on them and different graphics. And some were thank you notes, some were birthday notes, some were like thinking of you kind of, you know, fun and kind of punchy, pithy with our, to go along with our brand. And that was something that I really encouraged our team to do is, you know, if you meet somebody, send them a note. If you have a client that's going through something, you know, you learn something on the call, they're going through a divorce or, or their kid is sick or whatever, encourage them to send a note. So, and I think that, you know, note, notes and handwritten things and all that is, is like kind of a way of the past. Same with, with business cards. But I personally love that touch. I think it's, it's a really nice way to, you know, get something in the mail that's not a bill. <laughs> that's not something negative that you have to deal with. They're like, oh, do I, do I need to shred this? Not a I need bill to file not this. Junk mail. And it's not junk mail. Right. So tell us a little bit about the idea behind the notes and, and, you know, when do you use them? How do you use them? And how did you encourage your team to get onto that strategy? Because I would imagine that there's probably some reluctance, maybe. There's, there's some reluctance. So yeah, our gratitude cards say they're very simple, rounded corners. They have our gradation colors going from like an orange to a gray and say at the top, we appreciate you. That's all it says. On the back side, it says gratitude, you know, bigger. So it's very branded, like you mentioned, but it's just that one style, just because it could be anything, um, just sharing we appreciate you. We definitely want to do them as we obviously send out an invoice, but if we just met someone, for me, I feel like you could send them, I could send 10 a day. I don't, obviously, <laughs> I don't have time. However, I will share with you a little story. When COVID hit, I thought, you know, I can't even reach out to people for business. This is just, I just had this, I had a lot of epiphanies and silver linings and I, I'm a thinker. So what I, I went to our team and I said, what can we do that isn't going to break the bank? that 
is really a nice touch for people to know that we're thinking about them. Not that we want their business, just that we care about them and we want the very best for them. And one of our team members brought up seeds. So I, I went through and I sent about 150 handwritten notes with seeds inside. They fit perfectly into this envelope. And I just said that I was hoping during this time that they were having moments of growth and just, I wish the best for health and happiness for their family. And boy, I got some nice feedback from that. Yeah, That's awesome. Yeah. That's beautiful. Yeah, and I the think- personal touches is, is missing a lot these days, I think. And it's, I think it, it catches people by surprise and it's theoretically so easy to do. It's so simple. And if you think about the fact that whatever, you know, 10, 15 years ago, this is how we used to do it all the time. Right. <laughs> exactly. And then people planted them and showed us like pictures of their cucumbers, you know, it's like, that's pretty cool. <laughs> no, well, you, you got user generated content you could share on social now. Right. Yeah. Right. Exactly. Well, I want to talk a little bit about, you mentioned something earlier, Nancy, about your, your giving back initiatives, community initiatives. You have a lovely page on your website, community outreach. And I saw this beautiful video about design for a difference. So tell us a little bit about how you got involved with this organization. What is it all about? And, and how does that kind of fit into your business and, and your current culture with your team? So we're part of International Design Guild, which is part of CCA Global, and it is a co-op of luxury flooring dealers across the country. We're the only International Design Guild location in Minnesota. So with that comes different benefits for us and um, not only negotiating better pricing for our products that we can pass along to our clients, they have what's called Design for Difference. And Mark Brunetz is a celebrity interior designer out of LA and this is his brainchild. And he's very passionate about pairing these luxury flooring dealers with local charities and doing projects for them. And then he does a video and there's a big reveal Uh, The one we're currently working on is probably going to be more of a video, like a before and after, like the impact of the space. And it's really emotional. And and so you're working with, sorry to interrupt you, just to clarify, you are working with nonprofit organizations Mm -hmm. to help sort of bring that design eye to their, to their office or to their, to their warehouse or what have you. Is that correct? Yeah, that's correct. And so we don't do the design work, but what we do is we assemble what we select the charity and then, or the nonprofit, and then we um, assemble the team and Lucy Penfield with Lucy Design is, she's been involved in all of them so far and then we'll bring in other people as well. And right now, I mean, we've got to the point now it's, it's been designed, you know, there's a lot of programming in advance, a lot of delays when you're dealing with everyone on volunteer. Then we had to have someone come in and execute the drawing so that we could get it priced by the contractor and presented to the contractor. We've selected the contractor and now we are in the throes of fundraising. And I have to say, really didn't start fundraising till the end of January, early February. We went on some bus tours. We're working with Northside Achievement Zone and they are an organization that is to close the multi-generational poverty gap between people of color and Caucasian on the North side on Glenwood and so, or Broadway. And they do a great job. They are just spread thin. And I know that we can make their office better and improve their morale and production and all of that. So 
anyway, we worked with them. And so now we are fundraising. And so we've got 20,000 of our 150,000 that we're fundraising for. And so if you know of anyone that wants to make a big difference. So we, after the riots hit, I thought, I, I can't put this on ice. Now I have got to, I mean, you know, COVID hit, I'm like, I can't ask anyone for business. Certainly can't ask people for money for a project. But then after the riots, I'm like, I can't sit by and watch this. I mean, this is, I've got to take a stand and I've got to take action now for any sort of anti-racism movement that I can do. I'm, I'm going to do that. So I'm getting to our goal and then executing the project. Wonderful. That's love. And the, the, sorry, the name of the organization again is, can you repeat that? Northside Achievement Zone or NAS for short, N-A-Z. And do they, is it, is it through education? How do they, you know, how mm -hmm. do they extend their mission in the community? What do they yep. do? They start working with the family when kids are, you know, two years old even, and they'll work with the whole family. So they go in and they coach. They're not psychiatrists or psychologists. They're people from either that area or an area like that. So they're very well received by the families and the families have to want to be a NAS family. So they go in and they work with the family and they've got affiliations with all these different services. And so they consolidate, like, is it housing that they need? Is it healthcare that they need? Is it jobs that they need? And then they're working with the kids on their educational programs to make sure that they are college ready. And ultimately their goal is to get them through a four-year, I mean, they do say they'll do trade school as well, but their, their push is really to get them a four-year education then come back into the community and enrich the community. I mean, they can go anywhere, of course, but the ultimate thing is, yes, they're changing this through education and breaking that cycle that happens over and over and over because that education differences, I don't know if, ever, if people know this, I've been really surprised. Minnesota ranks 50th out of 50 states in graduating African-American students on time. Wow. wow, I did not know that. Yeah, the achievement gap is just the worst here. And so, and it's so close by. I mean, well, I say that because we live in Golden Valley and we work in Minneapolis, so it's a couple miles from here, so. Absolutely, well, that's wonderful. In the show notes, we will have links to, to, to NAS. And then if there are people out there that wanna donate, how can they do that to, to help your, your organization? Yeah, the timing is great because we finally have a electronic way that you can donate. You don't have to send a check to Intersource, which you can do. You can send a check to Intersource and just um, make it out to North. Why am I blanking out? North Side <laughs> Achievement Zone. <laughs> the pressure. But we now have, if you go, I have a link I can share with you because on NAS's website, there's a join us section, the drop down. Design for a Difference links right to it, talks about the project, shows the logos of the people that are involved in the project. We also have Minneapolis-St. Paul Magazine as a media sponsor and Spacecrafting is gonna be doing the video. People are really stepping up and there's going to be a landing page too, probably by next week on Minneapolis-St. Paul. We, we can't start the project till we raise all the funds. And okay. so, yeah, it's gonna take a little bit of time, I think. Gotcha. Okay, so we will definitely we would definitely love to to share all these le links and resources with on, on the show notes and and have that link up. And I just want to say, you know, wonderful because this is a beautiful time uh, to really focus on these types of organizations and to give back. And so, kudos to InnerSource to the whole team for doing something that is really meaningful and that's going to make hopefully a wonderful impact with 
the NAS organization, but also their families and hopefully many generations to come as well. So Absolutely. wonderful. I can see that you guys are really excited and really um, passionate about this. So I think that's fantastic. And that's something that um, I, I love also that you have that on your website. I think more companies, you know, today that especially that their vision and their mission and their values align with this type of, you know, community outreach or giving back or, you know, what whatever that may be or how it looks like or whichever organization that the company chooses to align with, I think it's really important to, to have that out, to have that messaging out there to, you know, and, and to, to put that on, on your website. So I see that you guys have done that and you're, and you're really passionate about this. This is wonderful. We'll, we'll do our best to get that information out to everyone listening. Thank you so much. Nancy, when you and I first chatted, uh, maybe a month ago or so now, you mentioned something about having a client out in, was it Dubai or Saudi Arabia or something oh. like that at one point? Tell us about that. How does a company from uh, Minneapolis end up working with uh, somebody all the way out there? Well, yeah, we didn't have the direct direct link, but we did work with the architect who's a world, he's, he's out of uh, Minnetonka, Charles Stinson Architects, who had a client in Dubai and mm -hmm. they needed material, I guess, from Intersource in Minneapolis. <laughs> wow. Very cool. We made it happen. Wonderful. Nice. Did, did, you, did you guys go, go out there? there? <laughs> no, well, maybe maybe when uh, travel restrictions are lifted, <laughs> that might be a fun date night. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Do you have a favorite project or one that that really sort of you feel like made a difference? Maybe it was another nonprofit or something. Like, is there anything that sticks out from all the years you've been doing this that you're like, oh wow, this was this was great? Great question. I mean, there's been a lot of fantastic projects, both residentially and on the commercial side. I guess, I mean, one that comes to mind, we did a long time ago, but it was called New Spirit School. It was a charter school in St. Paul, where they took an old dilapidated building and renovated it to uh, be the facility for this uh, charter school. And and what they're able to accomplish, I mean, if, when you, you saw the building initially, it's like, ugh, you know, how are they going to transform this into something that would be a good environment for education and whatnot? And it's pretty amazing. And, uh, you know, that was maybe 20 years ago. You know, and if we've done, I don't know, there's some amazing homes, of course, it, it's always exciting to see those. You can say one just from last year, over the top home. And, and I just, these things actually occur, like not just a, exercise room because we did they did have an exercise room but it overlooked the soccer field but we had turf we did turf in the soccer field we did rubber in the exercise room and on the on those treads and risers and we did carpeting in some of the bedrooms but in their office they had a skylight this guy does work around the world and the skylight would the light that it would put out onto his desk and shine on him would be whatever light he was where the where he was speaking to that person so say he was having a call you know in australia the light that would be coming on him would be from australia at that time so that he like i don't know the biorhythms were working actually put him in the same <laughs> lighting conditions as his uh, client yeah really cool house very cool i want to switch gears a little bit 
you know, both of the, you've mentioned education a couple of times, as far as I can tell, that seems to be very, something very, very important to you and the family. How have you, like, are, are the, are the kids involved in the business in any way, shape or form? Are they going to be, is that in the cards? So funny you ask that because since our college age daughter's home for a little bit, although she's probably leaving August 1st, she's been doing our social media. So you can kind of take a look from about April 20th on, I believe is when she started. And we have almost up to a thousand followers now. So she's really made a big impact. And what's cool, I just shared with her this the other day is that when she writes the content, it sounds so authentic because I don't even help her write it. And it's exactly like how I would say it. So I mean, it's like, yeah, she's like, well, you did create me, but yeah. So I don't think long-term, I don't know. It'll be interesting to see. I don't know if long-term they have other passions and they're actually kind of related, but I definitely see that they have developed certain strengths that I think came from watching us go through, you know, owning business. Yeah. Throughout the, you know, Throughout their high school, junior high, they would do odd jobs for us and had them on the payroll for that reason. But I think, you know, Nancy and I, early on, I think before we had kids, we had talked, you know, what, what if we have kids? What if they want to get involved in the business? And I think we both agreed that, you know, they would have to at least work for somebody else, at least till like the age of 30 to get the experience of what it's like to work in different organizations and uh, gain that perspective, because I don't think you can... In fact, we were just talking about this again with them the other night that, you know, like straight out of college, it's kind of hard to know, you know, you might have a fantastic idea of how do you execute it? How do you bring it to market? How do you make it happen? And, um, you know, you, you got to work with people to find out what you like that they do and, and what you don't like and figure out what is going to work best for you to bring to your future business, I guess. is So that's one way we looked at it. I mean, we never intended to push them into it a lot of them to become their own people they brought up something really funny you know all the talk about owning a business and you know that no it's the recession we can't buy that at the target checkout we can't have a treat that's what was brought up last night i was really surprised mm -hmm. um, but the funniest thing was that i never thought about until last night they said you know what what we don't get from you which most other kids do is the talk about the boss all the time <laughs> like you've never talked about your bosses because since they've been born we haven't had one mm -hmm. so i thought that was really an interesting statement yeah like that, <laughs> that reminds that, me of a conversation i had with our then three and a half year old about because she, she asked a question about what we do so i like i drew out a little diagram from like oh you know we have some people that work for us and they do work for our clients and then she kind of looks at me and at three and a half goes Oh, so what do you and Mama do? <laughs> and like, oh, all right, I guess that makes sense. Drive diagrams. Yeah, yeah. Right. <laughs> we raise you kids. So you mentioned, you know, you mentioned that you know you think that they've they've picked up a number of things uh, from you in terms of sort of how you run the business and what what you do. Like, what what are some of those things? Like, what are some of those lessons that you feel like you've been able to pass on? to your kids through owning your own business and doing it for a while successfully? Work ethic would probably be the strongest, the focus and the work ethic, which to a fault, really. I mean, we both work too hard. And I made a comment last week to Eric is our youngest was a little bit of a handful in about 10th, 11th grade. And I never would have ever thought I would say this, but 
last week, they were up at a friend's cabin. She had all these things she needed to do. It wasn't for resource because that's just a side gig. She's got other hustles. She runs a zine. She's taken a summer course on how to start a business. She's got lots of irons in the, she has like three or four interns herself. I mean, she's crazy. <laughs> and she's, she's 21 years old and she has interns? She's 21, yes. Wow. I think we, we're doing something wrong here. <laughs> no, I don't know. It's crazy. And I said, and they, they had to come back early from the lake because the technology, she wasn't able to have some of her Zoom meetings. She's meeting people from all over the country. In fact, didn't she talk to somebody in England last week too? So she came home early and I said, oh my gosh, I worry about her work ethic. I think it's too strong. <laughs> Another thing, I mean, their independent critical thinking, I think is very strong and they, they're soft starters are motivated. They um, opinionated, creative, yeah. you know, it, if, if you can think it, you can do it. And I've always said that to them, you know, you can do it if you put your mind to it. And I truly believe that I was raised that way. And, you know, it doesn't always go your way, but I do think having a passionate, positive internal drive, you know, you can make things come to fruition if you work hard enough, smart enough. I think there's a lot of valuable lessons that you've shared with us. We one uh, some of the questions that we like to ask towards the end of of our show is what's the next big project that you guys are working on, whether that's both for personal or for professional. Personally, I think it's kind of spiffing up the the our outdoor environment where we're hanging out a tremendous amount. You know, some, I mean, I think a lot of people are taking on some kind of projects around the home. Yep. I painted two things and I haven't lifted a paintbrush since the kids were born. So. <laughs> we're very in favor of people taking on home improvement projects. Of course, it's good for business as well. But in, in the office, it's, you know, since this uh, wild curveball of uh, pandemic was introduced in March, we've just been really looking at the business, assessing what we need to do to take advantage of opportunities that come up because they will arise. And so it's really figuring out, do we need to retool and we need, what do we need to do? What alter the approach? And so that's really, you know, other than the management of the ever changing information and what you're supposed to be doing and not doing the business environment in terms of the COVID-19 uh, requirements, very important, but it's hard to, I mean, way more time than I, you know, I, we had no basis for it, right? So, so that's really been a lot of, uh, that's our project right now. Yeah, and we put a shield around the desk, we have hands-free sanitizer, we have takeaway hand sanitizer for your, with the, with our logo on it, we've got chapstick people, we went to water, or waterless, we went to touch-free water, so that, I mean, we just were trying to really think of everything to keep people safe. Mm -hmm. I, I put little little pieces of painter's tape six feet from everyone's chair. <laughs> and then I wrote their name on it just to remind people. To, it's so hard. You're just so used to going into someone's space and talking to them. Right, right. So focusing on your, your personal, your outdoor, your personal home, DIY projects at home, as well as taking a microscopic look at the business what can you do now? What can you do in the future? And then also on a more practical level, focusing on those safety precautions and safety measurements for COVID. I, I know we're trying to wrap up, but this just this is something I wanted to ask earlier and it just perfect opportunity for it, which is, you know, the, 
just about anything you read or listen to in general out there is like, oh, you know, yes, get ready to take advantage of opportunities, be able to pivot, be nimble, et cetera. But they're very sort of high level kind of ambiguous things. Like what, can you talk a little bit more, a little bit in more detail, sort of how are you for your business doing those things? You sort of mentioned, you know, getting ready for opportunities. What are some of those if you could share and maybe some tactical advice for others, not necessarily in your business, but sort of how can they be looking at this and seeing it more of as an opportunity to do something rather than, oh my God, what am I going to do and being reactive? Right. One thing that I can share is I'm uh, we're so fortunate to be involved in International Design Guild. I had a call, about an hour call a couple nights ago with a dealer, flooring dealer out of Toronto, just had about 10, 12 questions. I interviewed him. Isn't that funny that I can be interviewed and I can interview other people? But um, just talking about marketing, compare, contrast, different gift ideas. How do you connect with people? I feel we need to turn our marketing a little bit more to the digital. Like we've never really focused on SEO before. So this is a new territory for me. So just being really open-minded, we're all in the same playing field. I mean, there's no reason I can't reach out to any person and I've got to figure out how do we make our relationships deeper. Before COVID-19, we were starting to take clients to dinner, which we, you know, like I would do lunch or whatever, if you could, but it would be like the client and their spouse. And that was super fun. And then all of a sudden we got the kibosh. Well, we went out to one dinner and all of a sudden we had all these projects coming our way. I'm like, I, this is so fun, you know? So it's just figuring out ways to make deeper connections with your clients so that they um, want to work with you and, and, you know, be loyal. We're also curating our space a little bit differently. We have brought in some additional samples. We've done more private labeling brought in a few different lines. So we're sprucing things up to be ready to just rock and roll as soon as the floodgates open, which it's seeming to get a little bit busier right now. Uh, well, if you guys ever have any questions on the digital side, don't hesitate to reach out. That's, that's what we do as our main business. So feel free to ask questions. Well, that was a good question, Mike. What advice would you offer other spouses looking to start a business together or, or anyone out there that is currently working with their spouse? What's some advice that you might offer to them? I'll just say you, you have to have a really good marriage and basis or you're going to end up divorced. Seriously. I mean, you really got to be able to self-reflect, set your ego aside, admit you don't know everything, be humble. What are we going to say? <laughs> well, it's true. I mean, you have to, I mean, marriage, marriage first, that's most important. So you have to focus on that before you focus on business, you know, on a day-to-day business basis, business can take uh, the upper hand, but you got to carve out that time. That's, that's huge. I, I touched on the, the org chart and I, you know, I was thinking about that earlier today and, you know, how do you have an org chart of two, you know, two equals in a business, but I think you really have to, because that's the start of how you can envision where you're going and, okay, we're going to need to add this kind of role and, who, who are they going to report to? And, 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 and then you can go into your job descriptions and whatnot. But I think that's that's huge. And I, that's one concept I, I, I had never learned until we had this consultant. And it's like, oh, boy, that's super easy. You know, I like pictures. And, uh, <laughs> so it, I, I really would. I, you know, if we had an org chart on day one, it would have been massively helpful. Yeah, because people don't know who to go to for certain things if you don't have an org chart. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. All right. Last question. And this is something that you will answer about the other person. So Nancy, you will 
answer the question about Eric and Eric, you will answer about Nancy. So what is the one thing or quality that each of you bring to your business that you couldn't do, you couldn't do without? Well, I would say for Eric, it's endurance and perseverance and the ability to get things done um, no matter what's coming at him. Stamina. I'll take that. <laughs> Interpersonal relationship or that ability is, I think, super strong. And just, you know, being able, you know, I guess she's tenacious, which works against me sometimes, but she's very good at figuring out, what, you know, how to uh, relate to somebody and then how to uh, figure out how to best uh, solve their problem that they might not even understand that they have in terms of, you know, a business relationship or whatever. So I guess that's where I'd go with that. Wonderful, wonderful. Well, thank you both for being part of our podcast, Mixing Business with Pleasure. We've learned a lot of wonderful lessons from you guys, and we are excited to share these wonderful links about InnerSource, as well as your connection to, to Design for a Difference and NAS. If anyone is looking to get in touch with you, what is the best way for them to, to reach out to you? I would say my cell phone, 612-386-3264. Okay. You're going to get a lot of calls. This is going to go public. I mean, I don't know how many listeners we're going to have, but that's brave. And that's my email, and you can call the office, but yes. we're, we've got a website, so yeah. yeah. Okay, so the website is? Intersource-inc.com or hyphen inc. Not, got not it. Okay, intersource dash inc.com so they can reach out to you on your website nancy you shared your cell phone very brave so if anyone <laughs> well, you know out there in remotely I'm right not always there right yeah. now in the if you change your mind let us know we can edit that out <laughs> yeah, you, can, you, you can edit it if you'd like but yeah um, wonderful yeah. all right well thank you guys again for being part of mixing business with pleasure thank us. you so much it was very fun well, that was a fascinating conversation. We love talking to couplepreneurs who have built successful businesses. And one of the keys to a successful business is effective marketing. Luckily, Gabby and I run a B2B digital marketing agency called Proofpoint Marketing. Our team specializes in driving profitable revenue for technology and manufacturing companies by diving deep into customer insights. We really strive to understand the customer. We build out the ideal customer profile and personas. And using that, we create highly targeted demand generation and performance marketing campaigns. We are offering a free consultation for our listeners. This isn't just a sales call, and it isn't us simply giving you a canned automated audit report. We are going to do our due diligence prior to the call. The plan is to talk about real marketing issues your organization is facing and discuss potential solutions. Head on over to proofpoint.marketing and get in touch. We look forward to hearing from you. Thank you for tuning in to another episode of Mixing Business with Pleasure. We hope you'll join us next week as we feature another pair of co-founders who are also lovers and are proving that business and pleasure really do mix well together. If you've enjoyed this episode, please leave us a review on iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. 